Good evening. We welcome you to Grapevine Baptist Church. I hope you have come with a spirit of expectation and prayer. I encourage you to get your copy of God's Word, read along and look along as we study the Word of God together. But let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the night. I pray, God, that you just work your mercy, your grace in our hearts. Speak to us, God. Use us for your glory, your honor, your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Water you turned into wine. And water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. And into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Into the darkness you shine, into the darkness you shine. There's no one like you, none like you. Our God is greater, our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God, our God, our God is greater. Our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that God is stronger than all the problems you can face in your life, than all the difficulties? Do you believe that God is stronger than COVID-19? Let's sing it to him. And if our God is for us, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And what could stand Our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God. 
one could stand against And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then no one could stand against And one could stand against Indeed, church, if our God is for us, then what could stand against sing that chorus one more time our God and our God is greater our God is stronger and God you are higher than any other and our God is healer awesome and power our God and our Let's give God a hand of praise. Come on. Open your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 1. Daniel, chapter 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand and with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the house of his God. And the king spake unto Aspaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom there was no blemish, but well favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and to whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldean. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof there might stand before the king. And among them those were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave name, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, unto Hananiah, Shadrach, and unto Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not be defiled himself. Now God brought Daniel into favor and into tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse like than the children which are of their swords? Then shall ye make me in danger of my head to the king. Then Daniel said to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech them ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. And then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat in the portion of the king's meat, as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this manner, and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Would you have that same resolve if you found yourself in a strange place, you found yourself away from everybody you knew, loved, cared about, away from the home that you grew up in, 
Would you find that same resolve if you are a child of God to say, I will not partake of what the world is trying to get me to partake of. Because you face that challenge every day, even though you may not leave where you have been raised. I found it interesting that, that I read that 40% of Americans, 45% of Americans typically make New Year's resolutions. And the idea of a New Year's resolution I think is good because it's this concept, I think, of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26, where we're told to give consideration to what we are doing, to give consideration to where our feet are walking. And, and, and here's what I found about the New Year's resolutions. 38% of New Year's resolutions deal with your weight. Now, I'm assuming people want to lose weight and not gain weight. 34% <laughs> of resolutions deal with, with, with debt. And again, I assume people want less debt than more debt. And 31% of resolutions have to deal with regarding a personal relationship. And, and so here you have all these resolutions that are being made, but they only last on average about a month. And people tend to forget what they have resolved. And, and yet, as I look at history of, 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 of Christianity, I look at history of, of even America, you find Jonathan Edwards, that one man that God raised up to use so mightily in the Great Awakening in the 1700s, when he was 20 years of age, he began making resolutions for his life at 20 years of age. He didn't wait until he was an old man, like people give you the indication you're supposed to. He started as a young man. Let me read you a couple of his resolutions. I resolve never to do anything which I would be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. That's a pretty good resolution to live by. Here's what he also said. I resolve never to slacken my fight with my corruptions, however unsuccessful I may be. If you fall, get back up and keep on going. That's what he's saying. Look at this one. I resolve if I should fall and grow dull so as to neglect to keep these resolutions, to repent of all I can remember when I come to myself again. When I get my senses back, I will repent. I will return to God. Listen to this. I resolve always to do what I shall wish I had done when I see someone else doing it. Man, let other people prompt you. Let other people motivate you. And, and finally, listen to this resolution. I resolve to inquire every night as I am going to bed where I have been negligent, what sin I have committed, where I have denied myself, that is where I have done right things, and to do so at the end of every week, every month, every year. Do you get that? At the end of every day, he runs this record in his mind. At the end of every week, he runs this record in his mind. At the end of every month, at the end of every, every year, he goes over this list as to say, am I moving? Am I keeping what God has birthed in my heart? Or am I not keeping what God has birthed in my heart? See, see, Daniel was a young man and he resolved that he would not defile himself for the king's meat. Daniel was a young man and he chose to say, I will walk in obedience to the word of God. You see, here's what's taking place. In 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, he comes and overtakes Egypt. And in the process of overtaking Egypt, he gained control of Israel. And when he went into Israel, he goes into the temple and takes all the things that are holy, all the things that are sacred, and he carries them back to his town of Babylon, places it in his temple 
of his God Marduk, and in doing so, he said, my God is greater than the Hebrew God. Little did he know it had nothing to do with what he was doing. He said, my God is greater than the Hebrew God. And he also not, didn't take just the, 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 the sacred objects, he took choice young men. And, and most scholars say he handpicked about 60 young men. And in verse 3, they were of the royal line of Judah. They were of the leaders of the land of Israel. And in verse 4, it calls them youths. And the word in the Hebrew is yaladamon. And that means they were between 13 and 17 years of age. What do we think of kids 13 to 17 years of age? What do we expect? Oh, we expect them to be rebellious. We expect them to go this way. But here it is. God allowed Daniel, Meshach, Azariah, and Ananias to be taken. But these boys did not go crazy. See, see, we got a lot of kids. They go off to college for the first time. What do they do? They get away from home. They get away from parental guidance. They get away from the church. And they go crazy. And within a year, they're back home because we're not paying someone to go to school so they can flunk out. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of resources. But look, that's not the case for these 13 to 17-year-olds. So let's say Daniel was 15 years old. And he resolved as a 15-year-old. I'm not going the way of the world. Amen. And we need young people today that's going to make that same resolve. That's right. We need old people today that's going to make that same resolve. But he gives us six brief descriptions of these young people. And, and he says they were without physical defect. In other words, physically they were flawless. They looked good. And that was the second thing. They were good looking young men. They were not just based on, on physical appearance. It, it says thirdly, they had to have intellect in every branch of wisdom. See, see they had to be good looking, but they also had to be able to spell you got it? See, 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 they had to be bright. That they had to be knowers of knowledge. They had to have understanding. We're talking 13 to 17 year olds. These are qualities that they expected. Further, these people had to be discerning. They had to have the ability to gather information, correlate facts, and come to a right conclusion. These are teenagers. Why do we expect so little today? And finally, in verse 4, it says they had to be able to stand in the king's court. Do you know what that meant? It meant when they go into the court of the king, they had to have poise. They had to know the manners. They had to have table manners, knowing what to do, what was culturally accepted per se in that area. So, so, so Daniel, here was a young man with his three friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. They understood these things. They were handpicked, and they were brought there from Jerusalem, the only place they'd ever lived, the only place they'd ever known, and they're taken away from their hometown. Do you think that impacted them? Yes, that impacts people. When you take them away from everything they know, love, and care about, you, you relocate them, my friends. Can you imagine what's going on in their mind? Nebuchadnezzar has already defeated Israel. Jerusalem is captured. The temple has been desecrated. And, and if you ever wanted to doubt your God, now you're saying, God, what's up? Is Marduk greater than you? No. But that's what the temptation is. See, see here's what happens. When you make resolution that you're going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, the first event that changed in Daniel was he was taken to a new world. Now, it's hard to imagine 
that you're going from small town life, per se, in Jerusalem to Babylon. Because you're moving to the big city. You're moving to the big lights. You're moving to where everything is exciting. You're moving to the place where the world just goes crazy. And when you walk into, into, into Babylon, there is a gate that you would walk through. It is called the Gate of Ishtar. It's named after the chief goddess that was considered the queen of heaven. And so when you walk through this, you walk through this, this arch and you're going in thinking, is this really now who God is? All these things coming into your mind. And, and archaeology have dug up the walls. And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar, he had this fascination with lions. And you'll find that later on in the book with Daniel as they tried to feed him to the lions. But at the bottom of the walls where that arch was, he had seven foot long lions looking like they were marching into the, the city there. So, so, so here you've got these Hebrew boys. They're just coming from the country. And they're going to this place that is so impressive outwardly. They're going to this place where everything that looks like they must be right and Jehovah must be wrong because they are excelling and it seems like Jehovah has not made a showing yet but they are mistaken they walked along these tile walls they saw these lions in parade they walked through that arch of, arch of Isitar and everything in them was saying I'm not in Kansas anymore I've either arrived to the greatest place on earth or I'm in the worst place I could possibly be they changed their location. That's a test. Second thing you find in chapter 4 is they changed their home. They, they changed their education. They began to train them in the literature, in the language of the Chaldean. And they see, they see the Babylons, they have their own creation story. It does not coincide with Scripture, but they have their own flood story. And they have a plurality of gods. They have how mankind was made. And so here it is. You've got these four Hebrew boys along with the other 56 or so. They're all being instructed in Babylonian culture and Babylonian history and how the Babylonians understood science. What happens when a Christian young man or woman goes off to university, secular university, and they sit in a classroom with, with people who are seemingly brilliant and, and, and they have a spouse to them, oh, your God is not real. Oh, you're a Christian. You should be ashamed of yourself. And all of a sudden, the, the pressure of the professors and the pressure of the learner and the pressure of the learned and the pressure of other students who have bought into that. Hear me. You can get an education in a secular school at a university, but you've got to understand how to eat the cherry and spit the pits out. Amen. Because that's what happens. You go to school and all of a sudden you're bombarded with, well, well, do you really believe this old book called the Bible? It's so antiquated. How can you stand and live by it? Look at all that, that the contradiction. Guys, there is none. But we let people express that. See, Daniel had been taught in creation. He understood the book of Genesis. And the Babylonians were simply saying, Daniel, there's more than one God. You're a monotheistic. You have one God. There's a multitude of gods. We're polytheistic. And Daniel, if you're really going to be at the top, you'll become atheistic. You won't believe in any god. You just believe in yourself. So they were educated in the world's way. They were taken from their home. And, and thirdly, they were given new names. Now this messes with, you, with your brain. 
This messes with you. your psychology. It messes with you spiritually because they're trying to reprogram them. In, in verse 7, it says that Daniel was given a name Belshazzar. His name, Daniel, means glory of the Lord. It reflects the glory of God. But Belshazzar, Bel, is, is a demon god, is a pagan god. And, and the latter part means prince or perhaps protected by. So no longer is the glory of God. It is you're protected by Baal. So, so, so they're trying to, to mess with them that way. Hananiah means God is gracious. They called him Shadrach. means to be illuminated by the sun god. They're trying to get into their brain now. They're saying God no longer is gracious. You're under the enlightenment of the sun god. Michelle's name means who is like God was become Meshach says who is like Venus and, and Venus is the goddess of sensual love see, see they changed their names Azariah's name meant the Lord is my helper Abednego means I worship Nego the God of wisdom now you're, you're a teenager. You find yourself in this strange land. You've been introduced to strange customs. You've been given a different name. Would you be saying, Jehovah, are you really that powerful? Because look at all this that's going on in Babylon. Look at this, this, this place. Look how, how, how they're, they're excelling. Daniel never wavered. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three names... Those boys, even when they changed their names, they never wavered. And then, lastly, you see, they had a new temptation. You see, the temptation was eat the king's meat, drink the king's wine. They never faced this temptation in Jerusalem. They never walked in the house and smelled bacon cooking hmm. in Jerusalem. They never went to the buffet line and said, Hey guys, you got to try this. Look at this sugar-baked ham. Look at this shellfish. Lou, you got to try all the king's wine. See, the king's wine was dedicated to the false god. And by partaking of the king's cup, the king's wine, you were acknowledging the false god in, in this pagan world. So here's the temptation. How do I make it? When I'm expected to do this. Look at all the other Hebrew boys. They're doing it. But Daniel said no. He resolved in his heart, in his mind, in his being. I will not compromise. What was he compromised? What's the big deal about eating the king's meat and drinking his wine? The big deal is the Word of God forbid that. Right. And when we say, well, it's not a big issue, then the next issue is not a big issue. The next issue is not a big issue. And God is saying, it is a big issue because I'm looking for that man, that woman, that teenager who will stand and say, I will serve the Lord. And so they go to the head eunuch and say, we can't eat this. And, and the head eunuch says, you're going to cost me my life. And so, so Daniel says, just try us for 10 days and let us see. And, and so, so for 10 days, it says they ate vegetables. That's the most unappealing thought that an American has, right? I'm going to eat vegetables while they're eating pork. While they're eating all this nice lasagna mixtures. 
But look what it says. And the Bible says at the end of 10 days, they came back and they were fat. How do you get fat eating vegetables? Do you get that? Because that's what you eat when you're on a diet. You eat lettuce. So, 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 so they come back, they are plumper, they are brighter, they are smarter. Why? Because God intervened and God says, I got this. And he began to prove himself to them. And they graduated. And when they graduated, they were placed in the highest positions there in the kingdom. Because here's what God was doing. God wasn't taking a vote. God wasn't saying, oh, you compromised just a little bit. That's okay. No, God was looking for that man, that woman, that young person who will stand and say, as for me, I'm going to serve Christ no matter what. I'm not going to follow this one. I'm not going to follow that one. I will obey the word of God. God raised up four young men in Babylon and he put them in a position of being ambassadors in this country. They weren't even elected. We think we've got to go to all means to get the right person elected. So what's he saying to us? What do you take away from this? First off, following Christ means you refuse to allow your culture to rewrite your character. Amen. Man, if you're a child of God, live as a child of God. Quit thinking, oh, I can drink a little bit over here and I'll be all right. No, you won't. What you do is one way then your kids do it in excess and you compromise it and you find yourself in that group of 55 that just gets lost in the shuttle. You're bowing before the pagan idol that they set up there in the plain later on. Jonathan Edwards, his resolution number 61 says this, I will not give way to that listlessness which I find relaxes my mind from being fully fixed on my convictions. Whatever excuse I have, I may have for it. Guys, here's the thing. You can always justify and excuse everything. We can justify and excuse every act of disobedience, every act of sin. But God says, no, I've given you the gift of the Holy Spirit to quicken you. I've given you my living word to speak to you. Stand on it and I will show you one step at a time. See, the Bible doesn't say if you trust God in big things, you'll trust Him in little things. The Bible says if you will trust Him in the little things, then you will be able to trust Him in the big stuff. And most people blow trust in the little things because they compromise the Word of God in the little things and the big stuff just blows them away. Man, just because they change your home don't mean they need to change your heart. Second thing is this. Resolve to follow Christ means you choose to follow God without guarantees. See, see, there was no angel came to Daniel and said, Daniel, if you do this, I'll set you up in a good position later. Daniel got no, 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 no word from God that if you obey me, I'm going to take care that you graduate valedictorian. No. He did it because he knew what God's word says. There was no voice from heaven. There was no angelic messenger. There was no guarantee that he would proceed and, and, and not face difficulty. And, and don't forget, Daniel never went back to Jerusalem again. Never. And thirdly, when you follow Christ, you've got to refuse making the multitude your model. This is the biggest challenge for teenagers and adults. You learn to stand alone on the Word of God. It's easy when the crowd, it's easy at the church house. But when you leave here, you stand on your own two feet and you're going to serve the living God. Will you stand when you have to stand by yourself? Because that's really what cuts it all away, learning to stand.
I pray you learn to stand in faith. Father, I thank you for this day. I pray, God, that you let your word to speak richly into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you make a decision, you need to talk to someone, you can call 270-821-5117. Someone will talk to you on the phone about your relationship with Christ or whatever need you may be having. Thank you. God, tonight we just want to declare that your grace truly is enough for us. Lord, we don't have to work for our salvation. We don't have to do anything to earn it. Lord, you have given it to us freely. Lord, and we praise you for that tonight. Let's sing. Your grace is enough. Here we go. Come on. Great is your faithfulness, oh God. Let's sing together. Great is your faithfulness, oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. So remember. So remember your people. Remember your children. Remember your promise, oh God. And your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your Justice, God of Jacob, you use the weak to lead the strong. Amen for that. Come on. You lead us in the song of your salvation, and all your people sing along. So remember, so Oh 
thank you that your grace is enough for me. Amen. Amen, church. We're so glad that you came to be with us tonight. I hope God encourages you this week. You see the opportunities of service that will come your way. Obey God always. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the Lord this evening. I pray, God, your gracious blessings to lives. God, save that one that's lost right now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.